welcome to Reframe and Rewire Greatness Through Daily Routine. This podcast is designed to alter your mindsets and transform your day-to-day from the second you open your eyes to you close them at night, adapting what I would call a success routine. This series is liable to change your life. And it's never the big things that you do, but the littlest things you do every day that make the biggest difference. And now, on to the podcast. Thank you for joining. Welcome back to the podcast. As we continue in this series, Fear is a Liar. And uh, we have been just kind of finishing up the last pieces of definitions of fear and I had come across a second piece to the Toddy Pressman article PhD out of psychology today and I wanted to give you a few nuggets out of that before we go into the solutions to all of this mess that we get ourselves into through fear and whether we're talking about success or dealing with a relationship issue or uh, you know, possibly health, wellness, um, financial issues or societal chaos. Fear can grip us. It can paralyze us. It can take us down a very bad road and lie to us again and again at so many levels. So I wanted to make sure that I took enough time to really expound upon this so that hopefully um, I'm giving you enough of a clear definition for you to act. I I know that uh, all of us can get wrapped up in fear and not even realize that we've done that. We can become so consumed by it that it escapes us that, that that's what's happening to us, that we're actually being stricken, bound, confused, deceived, and wrought by fear. And it, it, is, it's, it has stopped so many people from stepping out and taking risks that they needed to take, from living life to the fullest, from... Uh, getting over something that has held them captive their whole lives and has warped their sense of what it could be. Uh, I mean, I could just go on and on about this piece of it, uh, but I, I know you want to get to the answers and I'm going to get to the solution, so I hope you'll continue to stay with me as I finish on this last piece of Todd Pressman's information because I think it's been really great. So yesterday, we, we, we uh, actually shared the eight... Uh, the model of eight manipulations of fear uh, from destructing, uh, deconstructing anxiety. So something that apparently Todd has published. And we talked yesterday, or yesterday about the hypnotizing effect and the lie of fear. I've got just two left I'm going to share on. And then we are going to dive into those answers and solutions. So uh, the third one that I had mentioned in those eight was the demand of fear. Uh, fear demands that we try to do something about it. And this is what Todd is writing to avoid it, fix it, change it. And, and it does, it actually compels us, and I'm going off script, of course. <laughs> it compels us to immediately take action. I mean, it literally does demand us. And we, be, if the, to the degree that we're gripped by this fear, by, that we are strangled by it, and, and it becomes so compulsory that we just can't see beyond it, is the degree that we will feel forced into taking actions that we will maybe regret later, likely regret later. In fact, I would say more often than not, uh, will end up being a uh, bad road for us. So, uh, again, pulling above and beyond this, getting beyond the emotional uh, piece of it is really a critical, critical part to, um, you know, removing the stranglehold. All right, so he goes on to say, uh, we never consider the possibility of ignoring it or engaging our attention in some other activity. 
as above this magnifies our anxiety. And that's what it does. It just gets worse and worse. Our response to this demand of fear refreshes our projections of danger. And we end up more afraid. The fear then increases its demand that we do something about it now. And the process cycles around and around. And not only that, and he doesn't mention this, but I believe it compels us to suck others into the same fear. Think about that. When we're afraid of something, we, we feel that others should be afraid of it too. And, and by sucking them into it, it makes us feel more justified in that fear. So, I mean, I, I guess one quick example I could share would be, you know, like when we were teenagers, you know. And, uh, you know, say, say for example, you know, you got involved in, in doing some drugs or, or getting involved in some activities that were wrong, bad. You knew they, they could get you in a lot of trouble. And maybe you went ahead and followed through with it. But if you got a few friends to go with you through either coercion, intimidation, uh, you know, however you want to do it as a teen. A lot of times we use those types of tactics. Uh, you know, it makes us feel better because now we got somebody else in the same boat with us. So now we don't feel so bad about what we're afraid of, right? It lessens that fear. It kind of dubs it down. So now we can justify where we are at this moment. Well, even as adults, we do the same thing. We can pull other people into it to help us to feel more like we are justified and normal, if you will. And I'm not saying that anybody's abnormal because all of us have different fears for different reasons. And I understand that. And some of us have been through some terrible trauma. And some of us are going through some terrible trauma. But we have to be careful of not, of not taking the, the time to measure it, to really pull back and look at it or get someone to help you look at it. All right, so the fourth one he has on here is the, rumin the ruminative quality of fear. And he describes this as, as uh, it makes us review ceaselessly and tortuously all of its frightening possibilities. And I can't help but not think about what I teach often about how when we you know grow a neural network, 400 billion actions per second of electric energy firing off. And the more we fire it off in the same area of our brains with the same neurons, the larger and larger and larger it gets. So this giant monster is growing in our brains and now it's controlling us. So he goes on to say this, this is connected to the hypnosis and the lie of fear, which we just discussed. Not only do we have to stare at it and be aware of all the possible threats at once, but we must keep reviewing it again and again for extra assurance that we haven't missed anything. So we're building that big, huge neural network now that is just petrifying us, right? And again, sucking other people in it too. And we do this to try to satisfy the demand of fear. By reviewing the situation over and over again, we hope to find a way to get it under control, that it may never threaten us again. And this is how the news cycles work. So if you've ever been addicted to the news, this is how it works. This is exactly how it works. We watch more and more and more and more and more because we're looking for some kind of solution or answer to get it under control. We think we'd hear just the right thing then we're going to not only know how to get out of it ourselves or deal with it or cope with it or accept it, but maybe we can help somebody else deal with it, cope with it or accept it instead of deciding it's not healthy, right? So the attempt, of course, is futile. And what's more, it requires that we continuously fill our minds with this fear. And each time we fail to achieve a guarantee of control, we get more and more anxious. Okay, I, I think this is a great way to end this part of the the podcast series and I'm actually over time so I've got to end it but we'll come back tomorrow and start in on some answers please join me this is Michelle Steffes reframe and rewire <laughs>